with my special guest and co-host from Elevated Mentor, Ray Bullock Jr., in collaboration with Referee Rant, we present to you Mental Mountains Volume 1, The Elevated Mind, an audio experience. We co-host to talk about some of the best quotes that mean a lot to us and expand upon the initial quote through Tales from the Third Team. The first quote we delve deep into is, Failure does not exist. And we speak on it, what it means to us, through the lens of officiating and other things that inspired us like movies, music, and of course, life. Be sure to look out for a new drop each week where we discuss another quote from the book. And now, the tales from the third team. Welcome to another edition of Tales from the Third Team. I'm your host, Ralph the Ref. I'm with a super special guest, and we'll be talking about his book, Mental Mountains, Volume 1, The Elevated Mind, from Episode 189, Fame of the Rant, Mr. Ray Bullock Jr. How are you, my friend? I'm blessed. How are you doing today? I'm good. We started this off early in the morning, so we both have appointments, but we decided to embark on this project, and this has been a culmination of conversations that we've had within the past three weeks and, and a month. And first of all, I read your book. I appreciate getting it from you. It's really a remarkable work of art to me. I'm really into quotes, as you know. And it's more of expanding upon the things that we talked about from your podcast. So we wanted to highlight some of the quotes. And this is going to be a running dialogue that will always pop up on Tales from the Third Team. And some of the quotes that I enjoy, pretty much most of them, but a lot of them really resonated to me, considering that some of them really had an impression on my life. The first one that I wanted to speak upon was, failure doesn't exist. Let's talk about that quote. And I know it's not the first quote, but just talk about where you got that quote. What was the inspiration behind it? Where were you when you thought about using this quote for the book? Well, when I came up with this one, failure does not exist, I was reflecting back on the amount of tries it took me to actually get hired in the G League. For me, that was probably the first time ever in my life trying out for something and not making it. You know, high school, middle school, whatever, anything that I ever tried out for, first try I got it. But when, when it came to officiating, that wasn't the case. I had to get knocked down. I had to figure out why and go back. And through that, reflecting back on that, I started realizing I just got better every time. Sometimes we don't get what we think we deserve or what we worked for. So some of us just give up. The fact, or, or some of us don't even try because the fear of not making it. For me, not making it the first time, not making it the second time, actually took me three times. And by the time I finally was hired, I was way better than the first time. So the quote is actually just saying that failure doesn't exist because good or bad, you're going to take something from that and it's going to make you a better person. When we go back to that quote, and I think about your time in the G League, your first experience doing that. Is it something that you can reflect upon, as you said, that you got better the second and the third time, ultimately coming as a much better official? Do you reflect on that first time with embarrassment or do you celebrate that because of the amount of improvement that you've had from the journey from the first, the second to the third? That was a celebration for sure. You know, you have to be thankful for all of your lessons, the good and the bad received on your journey. If you can look back at any stage of your career, no matter your industry, you can see where you started and where you are now. And if you see growth, that's a celebration. I don't know why, but sometimes we have this idea that we have to be perfect 
for in order for us to audition or go after a dream. And I just want that to be thrown out the window. You know, just try. It's okay to get knocked down, embrace that, get back up. It's going to make you tougher. It's going to make you better. And when you look back five, ten, three, two years from now, you're going to be like, man, I learned so much from that. And then you can humble yourself and say, I actually wasn't ready. So that knowledge right there, you can then give to somebody else to tell them why you weren't ready. Mm. Officiating is such an interesting game because you meet a lot of officials and they're at so many different types of levels, right? So we've connected and I've never repped in the G League. I've never repped in Division One, And these are the type of things that it's really hard to kind of eyeball certain things. So for instance, if I were to try out for the G League, not that I'm interested in trying it out for, somebody would, might say, you're not ready or whatever they would say. You talk about the people that you went through with them. Was that a cause, a scene of embarrassment when one person makes it and one, and one doesn't make it? And after maybe like the second time when you were with your comrades that were you were in battle with, some people made it and some people didn't make it. Were you a source of inspiration or comfort when somebody didn't make it or if somebody did make it and you didn't make it? For sure. Like, I can speak for me. So there are two guys at the time when, when I made it in my mind that I wanted to be a pro official. At the time, I was mentoring. I was showing how to officiate. So the first time I went to try out, I was only 21. And then the second time I went, it was the first time they came up with the program, grassroots. So my mentee got hired before me. Mm. So imagine that feeling. Everybody's looking at you like, do you actually know what you're talking about? Should I even listen to you anymore? Then you start having your own insecurities creep into your mind. But for me, that just taught me that and, and I told him this because naturally you just see behaviors change um, when, when a friend makes it or not. It could be a middle school basketball team. If both you try out and one makes it, the other one doesn't, it's kind of a, a awkwardness in that relationship. So I told him, I said, man, you have to understand that when you're hired and so early in your career, it's not because you've arrived. It's because you have potential. Now, it's your duty to understand your what they see in you and what they're saying your potential is, and you have to be able to meet that potential. So that experience for me was definitely humbling. And it challenged me to keep getting better and don't look at somebody's status to necessarily receive information from them. I'm pretty sure you've met somebody that might not be as established at something as you, but they're able to give you some type of nugget, some type of feedback, some type of help. And then you have the people that are going through it now. I know some people that are going through the grassroots and elite and all of that stuff. And this is their multiple effort. And I'm just telling them, I'm telling you, like, it's all about confidence, believing yourself. That's all it is. You know, being a, a professional brand is being able to perform no matter how you feel. And that starts with self-confidence. When it came to that quote, you talked about how it took you three times to finally break through that rank. When was that quote crystallized in your head of saying, you know, failure is not an option, even though you were doing it through your actions, right? Failure doesn't exist. You did that through your actions. But when was it manifested where you could vocally say it out loud? Because, I mean, I think both of you and I know a couple of people that have been in the grassroots or been right. in the RDB program that it devastated them. Uh, you know, I could, I could think of somebody right. that I know personally they were gung-ho. They were. They really thought that they were going to make a leap. They didn't get the nod, and now they're all about not officiating, which kind of is disappointing yeah. to me because I look at them and I go, from my perspective, 
I'm never even going to get to that level. It's going to take me way longer than where you are to get to where I want to go. And that's something that would be a lot easier for them to get to. And it's not because of ability or anything like that. It's just like their path is different than mine. And, and that's also another thing. When do you think that it finally crystallized in your mind that that quote was something that you can vocally say out loud as opposed to just subconsciously doing it? When I was released from the G League program, I got hired in the ACC the same summer. So that's when it clicked for me. Like, it doesn't matter. You can have a horrible game. You can go to a camp, not get picked up. You can try out for grassroots, not make it. To me, failure is not trying again. Now, just because you didn't make it the first time or this timeline that you set in your mind, that obstacle is not placing the path to see how bad you really want it. So are you able to look at, humble yourself and look at why you didn't make it, make the improvements, and then try again? That's success. For you to not make it and say, I don't don't even want to do it at all anymore, to me that's failure because... I'm going to ask you, well, what was your why? Why were you doing it in the first place? So when I got released and then picked up in a Power 5 conference in the same summer, it just showed me that keep going after whatever you're going after. I mean, eventually that door is going to open. You just have to change your mindset and replace the word failure, and you have to just say these are lessons. These are lessons. I'm not ready yet, but it's going to happen. And I think you and I talked about the word yet. You know how people say they can't do something and you were like, just implement the word yet. It would change your whole perspective. Yes. So I think that's just, that to answer your question, it was the summer I got released. And one minute I'm down, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> you know, you got your colleagues, your friends mm-hmm. texting you, did asking you, you what happened or, you know, expressing their feelings. And you're just embarrassed. You want to crawl in a hole. It's natural. But I didn't give up right there. If I did, failure, you and I are not having this conversation. This book isn't, I would have made this book. But the fact that I was like, you know what? I'm just going to keep going. And, you know, God has something better for me, always. Hypothetically speaking, let's say you didn't get that call from the ACC. Do you think that would have changed your perspective and your mindset and your actions of what was going to happen later on? You know, that is a, a great question. And I honestly don't don't have an answer to it. I'm fortunate not to have an answer to it, to be honest, because getting released from anything, getting fired from from something that you put a lot of years and you've invested a lot of time into, you know, it could be devastating. And that situation actually taught me not to put so much onto a job, you know? Like, I was relying on a job to fulfill me, and I don't encourage anybody to do that. So... It was two things that happened to me that that I that that I know were gifts from God. So the one is I found out I was having my daughter. So you automatically shift your brain to from, from being selfish to oh I'm the victim I didn't make it to oh I have a life to take care care of now. So now I have a new purpose. I have a new why. So to be honest, I never I don't have an answer to that question, and I don't know. And that, that's a tough question. I don't know if. Okay. I don't know what I will be doing, to be honest. I mean, I'm kind of glad I don't have to. Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's a great question, though, Ralph. It's a good uh, hypothetical to think of. And it's only because I, I, it's something that one of those fork in the roads that, wow, really the fine line between, you know, making something and not making something. And I wanted to bring it back to Elevated Mentor and just your conceptualizing the book from start to finish, and also your experience with making Elevated Mentors, right? So you're on the ascent, making this website. However, 
you can see that there's roadblocks and there's a bit of failure because some things you're just trying yeah. out and, and you're like, oh, this is not getting as many likes and this is not getting many views. And it reminds me, right? And now I can eyeball it personally because I, I know what it takes to get to a certain level. Are you basically applying the same things digitally with all of the things that you have been creating? Absolutely. I'm learning every day, every single day. You come up with the concept, you apply it, maybe the world doesn't receive it. So it's just a trial and error period. And it just proved to me that this quote is real. Failure does not exist. It's learning. You're always learning. I'm taking something every day from you. I know I bounced stuff off of you. Man, I didn't work with you, think. And then you just get new perspectives. You get new growth. The book was so therapeutic because internally I was able to release a lot. And I know a lot of people have issues with confidence. And I'm not ashamed to admit that I was at a place where I, I didn't, I lacked confidence. I wasn't confident in my ability because I started seeking to please other people versus myself. But now doing this website, it's not, it's the complete opposite. It's not solely about how other people feel. It's, and you and I have talked about this. It's about getting your message out. I mean, people will receive it eventually. You just have to keep working and build it. It's fine tweaking. And that's the excitement that I have every day of how can I improve what I started. When I was going through all of the quotes, it really made me compartmentalize of different things that inspired me. And I think that's the reason why off air, when we were asking how we were going to develop this particular podcast of the different things that I take inspiration from so many different things outside of officiating that uh, really influences a lot of the things that I post on Referee Rant. I think about when I was reading your Elevated Mentor book, your Mental Mountains, I was really thinking about where I was in, in my mind of, of when some of these things crystallized for me. And I always hearken back to movies and music uh, when it comes to some of these quotes. And the movie that just kept being stuck in my head when it came to this quote was this 93 movie with Bill Murray. It was called Groundhog Day. <laughs> and Groundhog Day is basically a culmination of somebody that not only failure doesn't exist, tomorrow never exists for the guy. So he basically lived February 2nd every day for the foreseeable future. And once it started dawning on him, he was okay with failure. I mean, if you ever watch the movie, it's basically the premises. He's stuck in Puxatoni, Pennsylvania. And what happens is he gets stuck in this major snowstorm and he's kind of has a romantic interest in, in the person that he's working with. He's a uh, uh, weatherman and he's trying to figure out different ways to talk to her. He's trying to figure out towards the end of the movie, different ways to die. Right. So you look yeah. at it is, and, and what I really got out of that movie, especially like I always have different meaning of it from when I first saw it, when I was 12 years old to I saw it when I was like 26 year old and I saw it about two years ago. And I just remember, I was like, wow, this guy is an elite. Uh, he's elite at failing because I mean, at, it was one point, I think he stuck his, he, he put a, uh, he electrocuted himself in a bathtub. He fell in front of a cliff. Like he was doing all craziness. And you could see just through the repetition of a part and even how, how difficult it was because he knew he had to wait another time. You think about your time at the G League or sometimes when, when you weren't making the G League or anytime you were officiating, sometimes when you see something in a moment and you fail at that moment, it's going to take you sometimes a very long time for you to even get that moment back for you to be able to apply yeah. the lesson that you had. And that's what that reminds me of, that particular movie, Groundhog Day. Does this quote make you think of a movie in your head? Like, I like a lot of like weird, interesting, kind of sad movies. 
Have you seen the movie Blow? Of course. I was uh, referring to it two days ago. <laughs> so when I would watch that movie and we see his journey and how many times he kept messing up, like countless times, how many times he kept breaking his daughter's heart, and then you get to the end, and it kind of, to me, and maybe since you're a fan of the movie, you can give me your perspective, but it kind of sounded like he was okay with how things ended. As sad as it was, not being able to watch his daughter growing up and spending all that time in jail. But him reflecting back on his journey to seeing where he is now, like where he was now, for me, it kind of was like he was okay with it because he finally learned from everything. Now, he might not have been where he wanted to be, but he still received that lesson. Mm. And it goes back to what you just said of, um, you know, having the opportunity to apply what you've learned. He has the opportunity to apply what he's learned, and, he, and that's through the art. But selfishly, he probably wanted to be outside of those walls to show that he learned his, his lesson. So for me, that movie kind of resonates to the quote because you never know, like you just said, you never know when or if you'll ever get the opportunity again. So with that being said, you should jump on any opportunity to get back up and try again because you just never know if it's ever going to come again. So don't get so stuck on, I didn't accomplish this goal. I didn't advance. I didn't get the promotion. I didn't get the job. You just have to learn from it and prepare for the next opportunity. And if it doesn't ever come, then you can share that information, like how you and I right now are sharing information, and like how that movie Glow is able to share information to help somebody else down the road. Mm. Yeah, I watched that movie Blow in the theater. I remember for some reason, uh, right after that, there was a there was an Orlando Magic playoff game, and I remember Tracy McGrady had like 50 points, and Doc Rivers was screaming at the coach. I don't know why I remember that, but I, I specifically remember Blow, that movie. That dude had some crazy failures, and then at the end when he has crazy. like that little cut to the scene of his daughter, like really old and really attractive, and he's like, nah, I'm, I'm not dealing with you. And then at the end where they show the real Boston, Georgia, like, oh, man, this is like that. That was the first time I think I was like, I don't want to fail in life because this guy was, it, it just was it was just too much. It was just like back to back to back to back. And it, you, you feel you felt so bad and you couldn't believe it was a true story. And then I saw Tracy McGrady score 50 points. But that's interesting that you say that. And when you think of that particular quote, failure does not exist. One of my friends that has been attached to the hip with me for the past month, he's been watching me create all this art. And he's been heartbroken because he just lost his girlfriend. And you think about that perspective, you can look at it as a failure or you could look at it as a learning experience. And I think me being an older person, he's a little bit younger than me, like around 15 years younger than me. He's, he's taking it so difficult. But at the same time, I'm trying to tell him that if you weren't so hurt, she wouldn't have meant anything to you. And that is, right. to me, is the highest form of caring that you're showing that you're hurt right. and that, that it meant something to you. But at the same time, like, does that mean because you don't like this feeling so much, does that drive you to never want to love again? Are you going exactly. to hold that against somebody else that if you do have a, a connection with them, that you're not going to do put yourself out there because you don't want to feel like that? So it's like a give and take. The more you love and the more you care, the more you might get hurt, right? But at the same time, if if you have the mindset of that's a natural progression of being happy and sad, then then you can kind of monitor that. The other thing that I wanted to talk about is, as you know, all of my stories are always predicated on some songs that inspire me. And I'm always disappointed that we can't put Jay-Z's catalog on there because those are the songs that really inspire me always. And when I think about this quote, failure does not exist, I think of the song Beach Chair, which was on Kingdom Come, came out in 2006 by Jay-Z. 
And there's a line that says, um, I'm not afraid of dying. I'm afraid of not trying. trying. Every day, Mm -hmm. hit every wave like I'm Hawaiian. And I remember when I first heard that, you think of somebody like Jay-Z who's the most successful. I think what really crystallized in my brain when I first heard that was like, he's elite at just trying things. He's okay with failing. And you think about sometimes, he's a person that heavily gets criticized. He's not somebody that ever is moved by any criticism. He constantly stays quiet about things. Saying that, do you have any quotes or music lyrics that kind of mirror what what you're saying with this particular quote? So I think you're going to appreciate this because we kind of talked about it a while back. But I don't have one song per se, but I have an album that comes to my mind when I think of this quote. And it's Jesus. Because Mm -hmm. I can remember when that album came out, everybody hated it. Right? (laughs) Everybody but then that sound and what he was trying to do became the music. Like Travis Scott emerged and a lot of rappers started implementing rock and roll or started rapping over non-traditional rap beats. So then you can look at 808 and Heartbreak. People hated that album. <laughs> but that album birthed Drake. That sound became commercial. So just watching those two albums, they force you to feel a way either love or hate, that's art to me. But regardless, everybody, majority of people did not like those projects, and he's still relevant. Mm. So, and I know that you can appreciate the fact that if you go back and listen to your first ever podcast episode, and then you listen to it now, just imagine if you finished the first one, and you were like, oh, I can't do this. <laughs> I don't sound right, the time is off, this is whatever. You, could, you know, you can come up with any reason, any excuse to not keep going. But what you did, you did the opposite. You said, I'm just going to learn and get better. Mm. You, you embraced that challenge, and you didn't run from the feeling. So to this day, I still love that you this album. <laughs> because it's, it, it's always a reminder that it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. At the end of the day, if you're happy with it, then you should be happy, period. I can identify with not liking that album. I didn't <laughs> like it at all when I first heard it. I remember when it first came out, I waited for my wife to get into the car. I picked her up from work. And I was like, listen to this. And it just was so vulgar. It's like, Jesus Christ, this is crazy. And then for some reason, I was laying on the beach the next year. And I was, somebody said it was like, I was listening to a podcast kind of like Half Asleep by Chuck Cloisterman, who has all these uh, New York Times bestselling books. And he's basically the preeminent philosopher of pop culture currently. He was saying that Yeezus Sonically is the greatest album of all time. And I was like, what are you talking about? And I, I went to listen back. And he was right. He was right. But the mm-hmm. my only thing with Jesus is that I can't I can't really listen it to with people. It's it's just too acerbic. It's too it's mm-hmm. too bitter for people. So if I listen to it loud alone, I can make the most beautiful art, which I've been doing for now six years with that album. So shout out to Kanye for yeah. the, the Lotus Flower. I, I, that's one of my favorite bodies of work because he was able to put his feelings on wax like it was all over the place you felt the frustration the anger but that's how he felt and even if right now you you listen to it there are certain songs on there that are relevant right now for the climate of the world so I, yeah that album is you know I appreciate that album and I appreciate people like him I appreciate people like you who are not afraid to get it wrong publicly like it's okay you know, you, you go back to the drawing board and you're going to get better. You're at uh, episode what now? 
I think 600. No, um, I'm at 206. John Levinson's today. You know <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, John Levinson. Who would have thought that he would speak on a podcast? And I had three parts with him. But that's another conversation in and of itself. Back to this failure does not exist. Can you think of a time when you didn't adhere to this particular quote or something that you did fail and you followed up on that failure by just letting it go? You know, one thing that I can really take pride in is I might fall off a bike and I might look at my wound, but eventually I'm going to get back on. It might not be immediately. Sometimes it's slower than the other times, but I always will try again. Now, for me, the quote, failure does not exist, I can go back and, you know, maybe there's somebody right that, that will listen to this that can't understand what I'm saying. When you're placed on notice or your job, they're reviewing you or you're on a probational period and you feel like, not you feel like you are being monitored performance-wise, that can creep into your head. And you can now start officiating to please management instead of serving the game. So when I was placed in that situation, being on notice, oh, man, mentally I crumbled. So that's where really where that came from. Who cares, right? Like you have a bad game, you have a bad call, whatever, whatever. But you should never, ever, ever, ever allow anybody to mess with your confidence, right? You should never let anybody tell you or make you feel a certain way. Because at the end of the day, you're the person that has to do the work. You're the person that has to look in the mirror. So you should always please yourself. I mean, I know for me, my standards are high. Like, you cannot be harder on me than I am on myself. I know when I kick the call, I know when I... Trust me, I know. I know. So you telling me is just confirming it. But I already understand exactly the mistakes that I've made. Now, if I could rewind time to go back and talk to that young man that was on notice or talk to anybody currently who's on notice or on the review for that job, at the end of the day, let's say you do get released, you do get fired, there's something better waiting for you. That's why failure does not exist. So everything that you're going through now, don't forget it. Embrace it. Write notes because the next opportunity, you will have all of the answers. So that's why I tell people failure does not exist. Rob, let me ask you this question real quick. When you were in school, what kind of student were you? Did you study a lot or were you a last second crammer? I was definitely somebody that was both, <laughs> if that if that makes any depending sense. On, depending on the subject? Yeah, depending on the subject. Now, did you ever fail a test and then have to take it again? Not in school, no. It could be a driver's, <laughs> it could be like a driver's license test. It could be a, you know, any type oh. of certification. Oh, yeah. Do. The IABO test. I failed the first time, for sure. I failed the first time because I had so much hubris that I watched basketball all my life. I played basketball all my life. I didn't have to read the rule book. I knew everything. I was I was the tech guy in the class. Everyone was looking at me at the presentation. So then you have to pass. It's like 86 to pass, right? Yeah. So yeah, I definitely got an 83 or whatever I got. And I remember how embarrassed I was like, I can't believe that I didn't even get to the point of like, be, like you're seeing all these old guys, like, are you serious? And I was... So embarrassed. So embarrassed. Yeah. So the, and yes. how did you do it second time you took it? Guns blazing. Guns blazing. See what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> Guns blazing. Because, I, yo, I had I had 365 days to think about not reffing. Like, not reffing, not even because of, like, my ability. It was because I couldn't pass a test. It was so disappointing <laughs> to me. Like, what's up with me? But that lesson, I mean, it made you, you know what I mean? You, 
you took it, you went a different approach with it. It did home with you, and you were like, you know what? It never again. Like I'm not going to whatever mental conversation, whatever self conversation you had with yourself. It propelled you for the next opportunity. So nobody remembers the first time you took it. Every, only thing that matters is you passed. Like it doesn't matter how many times it took you to pass. I mean, we would like to do it the first time for convenience purposes, but sometimes it's not the reality. Right. And it's okay. I completely agree, and I think of it as. That to me is like the guiding force of why I created Referee Ramp because a lot of people don't know that. When they make the transition from playing basketball to officiating it, it's not the same thing. So that's something that I always <laughs> preach. And I think people are like so surprised when I say that, wow, Ralph the Ref failed. The person that made Referee Ramp failed. It. And I failed the girls class in New York State too. I failed both of those tests. Basketball, right? And like when I took baseball, I didn't fail that. And I don't know why, because I wasn't really into it like that. Lacrosse, same thing. I didn't, I didn't fail. And, and think about it, the sport that has meant so much in my whole life. And yeah, I definitely had the single-minded purpose that I was gonna ref basketball no matter what. Like once I got a taste of like watching it from other people, because I was already at the time refing. Why am I not refing my favorite sport? It's because I wasn't handling business in the books. And you know that's something that is a, a good lesson to know because that's like the rudimentary step. If you don't have that step, there's no refing ever going to happen. Unless you try out for the G exactly. League and they, they show you that you got super, super potential. But that wasn't, <laughs> that wasn't my case. So switching gears to thing that you think you apply to it outside of officiating or, or anything with failure doesn't exist. Do you think that's like your guiding principle for creating elevated mentor? Oh, for sure. Because I don't know why, but some reason inside of the subculture of basketball officiating, it's like this unrealistic mindset. So I've been forced to be basically in this industry my entire life. For those who listen to episode 189, I'm a second-generation official. So I was literally raised in this industry. So I watched the transition from majority of officials being older to a whole bunch of younger officials coming into the industry and being pushed and propelled at fast. So you have some people that will start young and they get burnt out because they didn't get in the G League in their third or first try, so they give up. But I'm like, you're only 23. <laughs> you're going to give up now? You're only 27. You're only 30. You're going to give up now? So saying all that is like, yes, none of us know how, how long we have on this earth, but you should never, back to your Groundhog movie, you should, it's day by day. Just, if that's what you want, you can do it. And the only person that can stop you is you, literally. The only person that can stop you is you. If you tried out for something and you didn't make it and that's telling you that I should quit, you never wanted it in the first place. Mm. And that's okay, but you got to be honest with yourself. So for me, I want anybody who, well, everybody's going to go through episodes of questioning their confidence or questioning their ability. That's natural, especially when you care deeply about what you do. I want to be that guy in your corner, like how Ali had the guy in his corner that was close like a one of the like I'm that person, like, you got it, champ. Let's go, champ. <laughs> I'm telling you, you can accomplish whatever you want to. It's not going to be easy, but you can do it. So, yes. And I also, my daughter's a two. I watch her every day. She's learning something. She's trying something. And I love the fact that she is fearless with her approach. And for the rest of her life, she's going to know that failure does not exist. Mm. It's interesting that you lean on a a kid to watch what their perception is of failure. Because I, when I try to tell people to start embracing failure, I try to tell them you have to go back to your childlike wonder when you didn't mm -hmm. think anything was impossible. And that's what I always kind of create 
for myself when I'm embarking on something new. I go like, do you remember that time when you just wanted to do something so bad and you just kept trying until you got it? Instead of, you know, I think sometimes when, when you become super intelligent about things and now you have Google and now you can like really reflect upon things, sometimes it hurts you because now you start second guessing like, maybe I can't do it. Maybe those doubts start creeping up. Now, when you're a kid, you don't have those doubts. You're just like, I'm doing it. I don't care. (laughs) It doesn't matter to me. So that's, that's interesting that you say that. And in terms of failure doesn't exist to me, the biggest thing that resonates to me, I think we mentioned this before. I'm a uh, volleyball coach out here. I've been coaching a team that's been top 10 in New York state for 20 years. And the beauty of it is sometimes we lose in the championship game. That's happened to me many times, but at the same time, I've won so many times. And you think about it in the course of the NBA, right? LeBron, right now, currently, he's one of the most successful basketball players ever to play the game. He's only won three times, and he's been in the NBA for 20 years. So that means that 17 times it didn't go his way. So if you look at it just like from that numbers perspective, he's a big failure, right? He hasn't won anything. He's only won three championships out of 20. That's not a good ratio. However, the journey has always meant so much more. The amount of people that he's been able to influence, including myself, and that 2016 championship is one for the ages. That's something that I'll never forget. I'm not even a Cavs fan, but it was so touching to me to watch him win that championship. But back to my volleyball team, just because we lose, it's always a success to me because of the journey that we went through. And sometimes that's what the story is. We lost. But at the end of the day, there's another day. And I think that's the most important thing that I think of failure. Failure doesn't exist because... Failure exists in a way that it should propel you to move forward in a positive way and not so much a failure to to, uh, make you doubt yourself and then put you into that vortex. But that's what failure means to me, and apparently that's what failure means to you. This has been great. After recording this, this really puts a lot of things in in perspective. It makes me kind of crystal clear of how I want to keep rolling this out. And, of course, this will be on Sundays on Tales from the Third Team. I thank you for your time. Is there any final things that you want to say relative to what we've been speaking on. I just want to tell you, like I tell you often, I, I appreciate you. And I'm happy that we can connect and, and you know, give some nuggets to some people. You, you never know who might need to hear this conversation. And I'm excited to see how this thing keeps going. But I'm going to leave everybody with, you know, just failure does not exist at all. You can say that time and time and time again, but it's true. And going back to your volleyball, what you're talking about, I'm pretty sure the championships that you lost, You've learned so many lessons, so then the next one, you know, oh, been in this scenario, been in this situation, this is what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. So if it wasn't for that, you wouldn't have been, been prepared for the next opportunity to win. So I just want everybody to work on our mental approach to difficulties and letdown and be thankful for the lessons, both good and bad, received on our journey. Completely agree. And final thing that I want to say is that I think Ray and I are living proof that once you see what happens when you have a bit of failure in le- in your life and you let time elapse, you can laugh about it. It's pretty funny. <laughs> all this stuff is, is very funny. And just to think about that, time heals all. And I think that there wouldn't be any meaning in life if everything was a success. Because the minute you find any type of adversity, oh man, it's going to hurt. That's why I, I try to tell people to embrace the failure and to embrace the adversity. But like I said, thank you, Ray. Thank you. We're going to keep rolling this for Ray Bullock Jr. This is Ralph the Ref. This is Tales from the Third Team. We are out of here. Peace.